0: His wife has left him, his father is sinking into dementia, and Marcos tries not to think too hard about how he makes a living. After all, it happened so quickly. First, it was reported that an infectious virus has made all animal meat poisonous to humans. Then governments initiated the transition. Transition. Welcome to Treat Yourself, a book club podcast where every month we choose a book and review it. This month we're reading Tender as the Flesh by Augustina Bastetica. I'm Christina. And I'm Hannah. Well, today we're going to start with our spoiler free discussion. And uh, I'm dying to know how Hannah thought of this. Our resident hater of horror. No, I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if hater is very fair. I just haven't sought it out. Yeah. It's just not my go-to. Yeah, I guess. Oh, boy. (laughs) Should we go through the content warnings now? I was was probably going to go through the content warnings first and then go into it. There are a lot of content warnings for this book. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to say, Mom, this, this episode is not for you. (laughs) <laughs> just just stop now I, I appreciate your support I love that you listen to these episodes but this book, this episode this discussion is not going to be for you <laughs> so you know what just turn this episode off you're good <laughs> a bunch of the content warnings uh, I would say cannibalism for sure mm-hmm. animal death, animal cruelty yeah. gore, Oof. rape uh, loss of a child, loss of a parent, body horror, body horror, pregnancy, uh, mm. horror, <laughs> horror, just general horror. Yeah, horror things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's a lot going on there. But what did you think about all the all of this <laughs> together in a in a right. novel? <laughs> I mean, so here's the thing, I. I don't know how to rate this book, and I think a lot of it is because I don't read horror typically, Mm -hmm. so I don't have the best frame of reference for how this book did. I, (laughs) 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 I, here's the thing, I really liked part one. When I was really into it, I realized gore does not phase me whatsoever. Wow. I mean, you might think otherwise because of Poppy Show and all of the body horror really surprising me in that, but I think that was because it was a surprise. Right. Because I wasn't prepared for there to be body horror in that, and this book that I knew was going to be about cannibalism, I was prepared for it to get pretty icky. Yeah. That's fair. So that part didn't phase me. And then... Opposite from Poppy Show, where I started off hating the book and then loved it, and it became my favorite book of the year. This book Whoa. went from me loving it to me being like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't like anything about this anymore. And yeah, but but the thing is, it was really well written. It was mm-hmm. just I didn't care for what was happening anymore. Once we got to part yeah. two, like I just. I did not like that at all. I did not like the choices that were made. I did not like the things that we were seeing. And the thing is, I do think that was the author's point. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I guess the author accomplished what she wanted to accomplish. So on that basis alone, it's a good book. But also, I just didn't like reading (laughs) the second. (laughs) But also, it was still an easy read. Yeah. So I'm very conflicted because the writing was well done. The world building was fantastic. I just did not like what was happening. But I also wonder if this is just how horror books tend to go. Mm -hmm. And because I... We can get into that for sure. Yeah. So anyway, I... I'm just a, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's why we have these discussions. Yeah. So then, Christina, you've read a lot of horror. (laughs) Yes. And I've watched a lot of horror already. I know it's still September while we're recording this, but um, I'm watching, like, horror movies every day. It's great. But as a horror novel, like, it takes a lot to, like, horrify me anymore you know I'm pretty desensitized after all the horror media that I've ingested but this novel horrified me and I liked it (laughs) because like it's hard for a horror novel to like really evoke empathy and like sort of emotion for me um so I really liked that and I think Augustina Bastetica did a great job in like building this world and like I think that's exactly how it would be if we oh, turned to cannibalism sure. like I think oh yeah she didn't shy away from the terrible bits she really dug in and as horrifying as it was it's like stuff that's kind of going on today but yes. you know not necessarily cannibalism but maybe cannibalism yes. too um mm-hmm. yeah and as far as part two Namely, the ending. I thought it was a classic horror ending. So while I was like, wow, I'm not sure I like that choice, but I thought it was really great because it's not what you were Mm. expecting. Um, Like you thought this character had a lot of growth and change and then it's like, nope, I'm just the person I was. I've always Mm -hmm. been. And I think Honor horror does a really good job in being honest about people's characters mm. and you know people don't really change so right i thought it was a great ending um and it's abrupt and then the book just ends which is great because that's i did like that <laughs> that's that's what happens it leaves you kind of with your mouth hanging open yeah and then the credits roll <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i thought that was really lovely lovely (laughs) lovely such a strange word for such a horrific novel (laughs) yeah Yeah, so do we want to go into our spoiler-filled discussion i feel like we must i think so (laughs) all right so if you haven't read this book and don't want to be spoiled then pause here stop listening and go read the book and come back please okay all right hannah let's get into this novel (laughs) so first of all I do want to start by saying that like because I only read like I kind of skim the summaries and then I just kind of like I want to read this I Uh don't always have a full picture of what the book is going to be like so I feel like I'm always surprised like Mm -hmm. when I read the summary I thought this book was going to be about just like um your local butcher Mm -hmm. and it's going to take place in this small butcher shop in a small town and like How is this person affected? Okay. But this is completely different. This is like a large-scale operation, like a processing plant. Yeah. Yes. So basically, all animal byproducts in meat have become poisonous Mm -hmm. to humans. Supposedly. supposedly. And (laughs) and so they've resorted to cannibalism. And I'm really curious – I don't know. I don't think they say how long it took them to resort to cannibalism, because they're like right. vegans today that don't eat animal byproducts. I feel like maybe we would try to be vegan a little bit at first. Yeah. They don't they don't really ever give a firm timeline as far mm-hmm. as I can tell about when the transition happens. We know it happens within his lifetime. Yeah. But we're not really given a specific timeline that tells us how long it was like how long it took from when they discover supposedly this virus in the animals that is making them poisonous to humans and then resorting to instead of just trying to find Mm -hmm. (laughs) plant-based like alternatives yeah resorting to no we need meat so we're going to start eating people yeah yeah And I could see it as a trickle-down effect, like, starting with the richest people and Mm -hmm. then hitting, like, trending and getting down to the middle and lower classes of society. Mm -hmm. But, and that's kind of how it is in this novel, because the special meat, the human meat, is so expensive that really only upper, middle class and, like, rich people can afford it. Um and there's curfews because apparently after a certain time you can just kill whoever you want and eat them Mm. and so it's kind of a horrifying world but i do like the fact that we do get the perspective of marcos because he Mm -hmm. is kind of like you and i like he's a regular person he's just kind of thrown into all of this just by happenstance you know his father owned a real like animal meat processing factory mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of us foc- focusing on the virus and like maybe a scientist point of view, like trying to figure out the virus or something like that. But it also does create this like question in your mind of whether this virus is real or not. I mean, they question it throughout the entire book because they yeah. keep commenting multiple people keep commenting on oh, that's just what the government said just to, like, authorize this. And Mm -hmm. that's a big point of this whole book is how language is used Mm -hmm. to allow atrocities to occur. Yeah. By just, like, changing how you phrase things, Mm -hmm. you are then able to let these things happen. And so, yeah, everybody's just like, we all know it was fake that the government was just doing this. So that they could get this started, or because British yeah. people wanted this to happen, or whatever it was, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly it. Like, and it mirrors, like, it just mirrors reality because there are people mm-hmm. out there who still wonder if, like, COVID nineteen is a real virus, right. and people who use language like they did in the book, like, if it is real, if the government isn't lying to us, mm-hmm. you know, so. Like, that's a thread that I think everyone can kind of relate to, but it just seemed like more possible this book. Like, (laughs) it felt very possible. Every single thing that was going on, every single little piece of world building felt Mm -hmm. very based in reality, as in it could, I could easily see this actually occurring. Yeah. And I'm surprised that they didn't talk about the reasons the government might be doing this, like. I think they do mention overpopulation, but there could yes. be climate change and, like, yeah. other factors, too. Um, but I don't know, like, maybe on a day-to-day basis, a person wouldn't be like, oh, it's climate change. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, part one really goes through Marcus's Marcus's job, mm-hmm. and he's, like, a procurer or a buyer for a processing plant so he goes to like different breeding centers and I guess farms or whatever to order they call it head like a head of cattle sort of thing um yeah so he goes there and I feel like we get these different we kind of get a look at all sides like we get Mm -hmm. a look at what the rich people are doing how they're procuring meat and what they're doing with it they're hunting them yeah yeah And then, like, you can see that also being tied to, like, business deals and, like, threatening people who are in power, who also have powered money. And then you also get to see, like, the mad scientist. Yes! Which, that was, like, such a crazy chapter for me. Because I was like, (laughs) this is great. Like, she's the first scientist we meet. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: it's like, I feel like every researchers almost dreamed to have an excuse to experiment on humans. Oh yeah, it w- it was very like heroic age of medicine. And yeah. Like not you know, just testing everything out that you possibly can, not caring about ethics, not caring about these people because again their their head, they're not yeah. they're not people anymore. So they they are able to do these things. Yeah. And what was that one experiment that she was doing that she kind of brushed off? Oh. I remember Marcus, like, asked about it and she was like, oh, that has nothing to do with what I'm buying head for. Oh, Oh, I don't remember. But, like, I I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I I wish I remembered that. Oh, my gosh. There's so much about this scientist that I think is her name's Dr. Valka, which Uh, is kind of like a German sounding name. And coincidentally, she's referred to as Dr. Mangala for all of her terrible human experiments. And Mm. I thought it was kind of comedic, just how she keeps bragging about all of her achievements. And then she like pauses and is like, what is that? Like, did you say something like, congratulations? Right. (laughs) But she just kept expecting like, what is what was that (laughs) like he's never saying anything (laughs) right well and especially at the end at the end of part two because he's done with he's done with everything yeah he's like i don't really care about this Mm -hmm. and what you're doing anymore i have something more important going on at home that i'm more focused on (laughs) i love it she's just so pompous and she's like i'm gonna win lots of reward awards and i am and she doesn't know at what cost, really. Mm. Yep. What was that? I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So he sees animals in cages, which is oh, totally yeah. like not protocol, like not really legal at all, I don't think. Like all animals must be killed on site. Yeah. They're scared of their saliva, they're scared of their poop. People walk around with umbrellas all day so they don't get pooped on by birds. Like mm-hmm. mass paranoia is obviously taking place. And the fact that she has this room filled with dogs, rabbits, cats, you know, is a little suspicious. He asked her if she's trying to find a cure for the virus and she kind of brushes him off and is like super shady. And it's kind of like at we're asking again, is this virus real? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, why Why would you keep these? And that's an unanswered question in this book. hmm Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And he does make a good point, and he's like, if all the scientists were looking for a cure for this virus, especially now that they have humans to test it on, mm-hmm. there should have been a cure by now. Oh, yeah. And of course, we don't know how much time has really lapsed, but... And I mean, the thing is, though, nobody in power would want to find a cure at this point because it's become so ingrained in their economies. Mm -hmm. Like, this business of selling and procuring the head Mm -hmm. seems integral at this point to their society, and so changing it at this point would be pretty much impossible. Yeah. You can't stop the wheels from turning. And they've already killed off most of the animals, on the planet so it's not like they could bring them back and have them be at a sustainable level yeah (laughs) yeah so very suspicious Mm. but one of the other storylines that we haven't brought up yet is i can't remember why but someone gifts marcos with a woman a female head and it kind of just leaves her in his barn and is like she's yours you have to take care of her now Mm -hmm. like it was supposed to be a present but it definitely is more of a burden for marcos yeah i mean he's very hesitant at first and we're seeing things from his point of view and we see as he's going around and doing his work that he himself isn't eating the meat and so it's kind of like oh okay he has some morals maybe you know in the Mm -hmm. society he's He's still a part of the system because he's still a part of killing off all these people. Yeah. But, you know, he's not eating it, so maybe he's kind of okay. And then you see him with this woman and he's not really interacting with her, and it's like, okay, that's not great, but you know what? Maybe, maybe again, it'll kind of be okay. Yeah. And then it's not. And then it's not okay. (laughs) It's not it takes, okay. a, it and, takes a while for it to not be okay. It takes a while for it not to be okay. And I had to go back and reread the description of the book because it says, Then one day he's given a gift, a live specimen of the finest quality, though he's aware that any form of personal contact is forbidden on pain of death. Little by little, he starts to treat her like a human being. And I'm like... Description. I think we have very different definitions of what being treated (laughs) like a human being means. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe that was the point of this book. But you say that and I start to think, hmm, okay, you know, maybe in his own small way, he's going to make a difference in this lady's life. Yeah. Okay? He's going to see her as a real person and not just this head, not just this thing who can accomplish something for him. No, yeah. no, he <laughs> uses her and uh, it was, uh, I hated it so much. I was in denial at the end of part one where they, he finally pays attention to the head mm-hmm. and is cleaning her in the rain yeah and then he gets naked with her and still i'm like you know what no no they don't they don't show anything you know he says he's doing something that he's not supposed to but maybe he's realizing she's a person like the description said yeah yes but no (laughs) (laughs) hannah was like oh am i in for a little light romance (laughs) no not even that i did not want there to be a romance that is not a romance Seeing her as a human being, seeing this person who has been enslaved. Also, another world building thing is that slavery is barbaric. And it's like, you don't, again, word choice matters because they feel like they don't actually have slavery yeah. in the society. See, which that was like whole... really interesting because wasn't there like a law or something yeah. where you can't have them serve you or like yeah. be servants in your house? Like they're yeah. only for eating or breeding. Yeah, but I mean, I guess you wouldn't have a pig running around your house serving people and cleaning up. But right, it just—it's a very fine line, and I think the definition of slavery is really someone who doesn't have will in their right. life, and these people do not have will. They do not have tongues or vocal cords. They have like no way of expressing themselves. Mm-hmm. So, I yes. <laughs> Again, why I was not thinking there would be a romance. It wasn't a romance, but I also didn't want there to be a romance because yeah. it wouldn't have been consensual in any way, shape or form because this person had no concept of being a person. Yeah. Again, the description made me think that Marcos was going to like help her realize her personhood. Mm-hmm. He did not. Yeah. <laughs> he still said- used her. Like from the moment where he was like, I was going to teach her to read, but then I realized she doesn't have vocal cords and it doesn't matter because no one will ever want to talk to her. Yes. (laughs) I was like, oh, I kind of thought this might turn out to be a thing where you're like teaching her how to live like a human, teach her to read, teach her about movies. I don't know, like something because she can still hear. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was not like that. A little bit about Marcos, too, is he's going through a lot personally. He Mm -hmm. lost his son as an infant, maybe even a newborn, it sounds like. And his wife currently is not living with him. She's living with her mom. And Mm -hmm. just they're having a hard time communicating. It sounds like they're drifting apart and all of this. Like this death has like really just ravaged both of them mentally. Mm hmm. So you gotta think about that in the back of your mind, apparently throughout the whole novel. Are you using this to justify his actions? No! Or or explain his actions. Explain. Explain. <laughs> explain. <laughs> well uh, dear reader, keep this in the back of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be important later. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is important later. I mean I, he, he brings it up several times. Like he does. Yeah. And I I did think this was going to be a story of him working through his grief, but I did not realize how he would work through his grief. He has a lot of grief. The whole scene with uh Coco and Puglies Puglies. Oh yeah, his dogs. His dogs that he had before the transition and then having them during the transition when he had to kill them. Like, that was really horrific for Mm -hmm. me personally, but, um, like, so he had to watch them be cremated, die before their time, and, you know, he has this death of his son, and then later in part two, his dad also dies, too, who it seems like is a really big part of his life. He was a factory owner and kind of brought Marcos up in the business, and- Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has a strained relationship with his sister, who's, like, the only person he has left. Right. Um, And she's just... I don't like her. She's... I mean, everybody... Again, the real message of this book is that everybody is awful. Yes. That all, that all of the humans are terrible, that they might seem like they have different sets of morals, but there are still... Just because you do one thing good of not eating the meat does not then mean that you do all things yeah, good and morally right. As right. we will see with Marcos, because he doesn't. But you're given all of these examples of these people who are very clearly in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And his sister is one of those people who very clearly everything she's doing is awful. Yeah, her children are awful. She's trying to get Marcos to get her like mm-hmm. a deal on... You know, a head that they can keep at, I guess it's domestic head is what they call it. And, you know, mm-hmm. keep this person in their freezer. Yeah. Yeah. So she's kind of a terrible person. You don't ever meet her husband, though. No, you don't. I kind of would have liked to meet him to see, like, what kind of person could be with this right. person. But, <laughs> yeah. We only hear about Esteban. hmm Yes. Yep. Oh, and as far as I know, the virus is only mentioned once by name. And it was, like, GGB or something. Oh. Again, like, this novel really doesn't focus on the virus itself, Mm -mm. which lends me to think that it's, like, maybe a decade after the transition. Like, you're not going to be talking about the virus anymore. Instead, you're just talking about (laughs) what you want to (laughs) eat. Right. (laughs) No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, his sister. So at the end, she throws... um, you know, when people die, they have to be cremated. You don't want to bury them in the ground. So their father, they cremate mm-hmm. him. Um, and you have to be present Yeah, to watch it. You have to make sure that you keep eyes on the body throughout the entire process. Just because, again, the special meat is so expensive and people will do anything to mm-hmm. get it. So you really have to be present throughout everything to make sure that doesn't happen yeah i feel like this plays on the fear that um always comes along when people talk about cannibals and horror movies and one thing that they always say is human meat is addicting like you kind of Mm. act like someone on rabies after you eat the meat like that's all you desire and so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a myth like you know just kind of a precaution like don't become a like don't try human meat because once you try it You won't be able to stop eating it. And you kind of see that, like, rabidness in the scavengers, you know, who are maybe transient, lower class Mm -hmm. people who wait outside the processing plant for, like, scraps. Yes. You know, and they know it's diseased meat. They know it's, like, poor quality quality and all this, but still they, like, go crazy crazy for it and it's Mm -hmm. like are these people zombies like what are they even anymore yeah yeah and then you know the upper class people are able to manage their addiction to special meat in their own ways um and even marcos he only quit eating meat when his son died yeah so i don't know if it's like a true moral thing for him giving up meat true yeah True. Yeah. And the way that they like kill the heads and stuff is like always really graphic. You know, it's oh, so graphic. I never read was it that uh John Upton novel or whatever about the Jungle? Jungle, yeah. Jungle. It's not John Upton. Mm-hmm. Upton Sinclair. So close. I've never it's read close. The Jungle, but I feel like some of the horror in the mm-hmm. meat processing in those was probably drawn from to describe this. Right, because Oh, I yeah. Oh no, go ahead. No, I mean I was I was going to go slightly off topic of that where this book did more to try and convince me to become a vegetarian than drive your plow over the bones of the dead did. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> where this was much more convincing yeah that woman <laughs> like seeing the whole process through and yeah seeing it done to humans and then being like okay this is exactly what yeah or pretty much what is done to animals this was much more convincing than drive your plow yeah yeah <laughs> as the jungle was convincing i think for a lot of people in that generation when it came right out, you know um originally published in 1905 wow but wow. um it really does seem like You know, I guess these are like technical ways, and like Mm -hmm. the processing of meat, like doesn't really change after you've kind of figured out the way to do it, right? Though I am curious about the stunning method because it did not seem the most efficient, and. Look, I get that sounds really awful that I'm trying to be like, you're not killing people efficiently. <laughs> but also, they weren't. They really weren't. It was one at a time. He had, the stunner had to like calm them down, whisper mm-hmm. sweet nothings, and then like surprise them with a whack to the head. In the, with a club! Ex- just a the club. exact right spot. I, when we got to that section, I was just like, wait, this, this is how you do it? One at a time, bop to the head. There's no what? way. <laughs> no way. It would be better to just have them. I I shouldn't probably talk about alternatives. I know but, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> We don't want to. <laughs> this is the way you need to do it. Yeah. But I, I did really think when you hear Stunner, I was like, do they have like a cattle prod with yes. the electrode on the end? Because I feel like that would be a more efficient way to just get that in their spot or, you know, spinal cord yeah. or whatever and like knock them out. That probably does something to the meat oh maybe Ooh. they were really particular about how their met meat was handled and how it felt yeah. right before it died which is a thing that I've heard that if it's scared it might spoil the meat which I don't know if that's true or mm. who knows to bring it back to a particularly horrifying thing that like I think if you're not aware of it, it might not seem as horrible as it truly is so a sister Marcita right mm-hmm. She kind of sneakily hides away this head in a freezer, you know, and then it's at the wake that Marcos, you know, sees the flayed open arm and then is like, I need to go to the kitchen because I saw a cold box there and like, what is happening? The head is still alive and it's just missing its arm Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's just living in this freezer, which is awful. And there's, like, a cookbook, and it's about, uh, yeah, how to, like, slice up your meat so it yeah. lives as long as possible, so it can mm-hmm. be as fresh as possible. But what yeah, they like the do... the death by the thousand slices, or ten thousand slices, or... Yeah, the thousand cuts. Thousand um, cuts, yeah, 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 yeah. In Chinese, it's ling qi and it's a to- terrible form of torture. It's basically flaying yeah. your victim alive, and it's meant to be... Um, a very slow death, and it's only meant for certain, you know, horrific crimes, or it was in China, and it was outlawed in the early 1900s. So yeah. the fact that they're bringing back something that was outlawed, and now it's trending, it's like the trendy way yes. to like cut up your meat is so horrifying. Like, it's just, it's terrible. Yeah, I don't like No, I did make a note. Hamburger isn't quite accurate anymore, is it? Because it's not a hamburger. It's (laughs) a human burger. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Hey, yeah, I do think that they covered pretty well, like just how some people can't handle it. And I don't think that humans were like naturally are naturally able to handle this. Like you have to be a certain type of person. Right. Um. He talks about, like, his coworker who had a mental break and then, like, killed himself. Um, and about him, like, being broken. And, like, once you're broken in this respect, like, you can't be fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you also see the people, like, the applicant who had the camera that was just there for the thrill yes. of it. And it's like, of course there would be, like, paparazzi people t- trying to get in and, like... Or journalist trying to do an expose on mm. everything. But he seemed to, like, really enjoy it, too. No, he was, like... He was enjoying it. Yeah. It was pleasurable for him. Y- yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Very disturbing. But... Yes. Um, should we talk about the ending? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> so... <laughs> This is Hannah's yes. least favorite part of the book. You see, it's not even necessarily the ending that's my least favorite part. It's the beginning of part two. I oh, okay. Again, I think it's so well written. Mm-hmm. But you get to the... So again, you you get the possible rape at the end of part one. It's not explicitly stated. Yes. Um, it's, yeah. It's implied, but again, if you're reading the dust jacket that says, you know, starts to treat them like a human, maybe you have hope that it's not the rapey vibes exactly. that you're getting. Exactly. And then you get to part uh two and he starts to treat her seemingly like a human he so following what the description said Mm -hmm. and has her kind of living in the house i mean again he's you find out throughout part two that he's really not treating her with any agency or any as as a human being at all like she's never treated like a human never like yes he's gentle with her Mm -hmm. i guess but She's still locked in a room with a bucket to use for her bathroom and a set amount of food that she has to ration herself throughout the day while he's out and about. And he has cameras set up so he can, like, watch her at all times. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not freedom. This is not being a human. Mm -hmm. At all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we get to the end of that first chapter in part two, and you get the confirmation that he has, in fact, raped her because now she's pregnant. Yeah. And so then that's where he's just using her so that he can have a child again. And honestly, like, I didn't even think of that at first. Did you think of that, like, right away? Oh, I'm going to read my note that I wrote. All right. I wrote, I hate this so much creating some sick pseudo-family with her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then just being like, I'm, I'm going to need him to face some form of retribution for this. If this ends with him returning to how things were before, that's exactly what it does. Mm-hmm. Um, Or getting away with no consequences, which is also exactly what it does. Yeah, exactly. I will be pissed. And here's the thing. Sure, maybe I wasn't pissed by the end because I realized this was the author's point. Mm-hmm. This was what the author was going for. This, not something that I found pleasure in reading, but it was well written. Yeah. The ending where, oh God, and I thought he was an awful person because he's calling his wife, uh, who's a nurse, to be like, come help me. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but come help me. And then she comes and it's like, what? You got this woman pregnant? And, but that's not even you think that he's just being this awful person to his wife and then she also ends up being an awful person at the end which again is well written yes. but i'm just like <laughs> i'm like is this what normal people are like these right? days like just like and she you know she's around the same age mm-hmm. as marcos i assume so she lived in a world before the transition yeah. and you would think that if you ever lived in a world before the transition, that it would be almost impossible for you to totally draw that line between human and me. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But I like, I was like, Oh, you got her pregnant. Like maybe like, and I was trying to work it through because they have inspectors mm-hmm. that come by like, every so often when they know you own mm-hmm. special meat head, whatever. And he like almost didn't get away with it. And I'm like, if you're just raising a child and you're keeping this woman alive, how is this ever going to work? Right. And it doesn't. Um, but also like, what if it ended with him being found out and sent to, um, what do they call it? Like the, the plant right. where they send, People who are criminals, basically, and so they get murdered and turned mm-hmm. into me. Like, is that an ending that you would have preferred? Maybe I don't know. And again, I don't think I actually have a problem with the ending. I just, mm-hmm. I, I just didn't like the treatment of. And I get this is a horror yeah. book. I, I just, I felt a little duped by the description and yeah. saying that you were going to treat her like a human and you did not. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm stuck on that point. <laughs> where at yeah. no point was this woman treated like a person not a, yeah, not a one. like was she he said he introduced her to some human food but like is that what he was leaving her every day to <sighs> eat i don't even know but um yes um i do think it is interesting that it is a female author mm. so i do think that a lot of the horror is like directly related to like female body mm-hmm. horror and yeah. kind of like our worst case scenario mm-hmm. would be like this callous person who doesn't care about our lives and is just mm-hmm. using us i will say i appreciate it's it's clear there is rape but it's not mm-hmm. descriptive on page i don't think yes um and i feel oftentimes especially with male authors there is this tendency mm-hmm. for, and maybe maybe I'm wrong again. I haven't read a lot of horror, but I know at least in like the fantasy genre, you have all like the white male authors who include all of this graphic rape in their yeah. works, and as that to be like horrific to the audience, and and to demonstrate ah oh, this person is a terrible person. But we don't mm-hmm. see that on page in this book, yeah, and yet. It's still terrifying. It's still absolutely awful. Cause you know what happened. Yeah. You, so you don't even need to have that on page to still be horrified by it. Right. There was sexual violence when he hooked up with that one person. Yes. I didn't even know who she was. Yes. But that was rapey to me. That was. Um. I don't know if that was consensual. It was, it was very weird though. I also, another reason, or not another reason, like, another point where I was unclear of timelines, because it sounded like he had known that butcher for a long, like, since he was a kid, and that she mm-hmm. had had sex with him at the plant when he, it sounded like, like, when yes. he was young. it sounded like when, she raised yes, him. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so, yeah, yeah there was that I one scene that. with that other, but, but she wasn't, she like, wasn't one of the head. I mean, not that that makes it any better, but it's just. Right. She, like. That that did feel very much like, like assault. is he, like, assaulting her because, like, to get back at her? That's what I wasn't assaulting sure. Assaulting him in his youth? But it isn't clear, and it's kind of just, like, this thing that happens, and you're like, okay, I guess he's, like, not totally good. Mm-hmm. But then I guess that puts it in our mind what it could have been like for yeah. Jasmine, who he does, like, he ends up naming the head, so... That's another, that's how he treats her like a human. Like he gives her first her a name. Because <laughs> we don't do that to animals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, these humans are really treated less than animals, truly. Mm. God. What a horrifying novel. Yeah. Good job to me and to Augustina. Because I chose this book and she wrote it. <laughs> Uh, and like as far as horror novels like I don't think like this type of body horror and gore is like usually what I tend to be drawn to Mm. but it was good it was horrifying I don't think I've ever read another book that like truly scared me the last one I remember was Lord of the Flies okay I was like in middle school and that was, like, it made me so scared. I was scared to, like, turn off the lights. Aww. I was scared to see, like, a pig head, like, a oh, no. decapitated pig head, like, in the windows and stuff. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. But after that, I was never scared again. Wow. Well done. Never, ever. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, mo- some movies have gotten me, but, like, book-wise, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, sh- so that was the book. And, uh, you know, do you recommend it to people to read? I don't even know. I I don't know. I guess it depends on what content warnings you can handle. And yeah, I don't know. Cause ugh, like I said, it's, it's really well written. I, it, w- it was easy to read. I, f- feel like sometimes with translations they can feel a little stilted but i i feel like mm-hmm. the writing was very smooth it, it just felt yeah it was great it, it, it yeah. was really well done um so well done to the author and the translator because mm-hmm. it, it was a really easy easy in terms of like the reading part of it yeah. it, it was easy to sarah get sarah moses is the translator yeah. good job sarah so I don't know. Yeah, I think if you're looking to be scared, if you're looking for a good horror novel, like there's so many out there and it's hard to pick through them. And like, you don't want to waste your time reading a book that's like, not scary. I guess. Right. I don't know, like, you know, you want to pick a good horror novel. And so I think this, as far as recent horror publications mm-hmm. go, is one of the best that I've seen in a while. So if that is something, if you're into the genre, then go for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like really relatable to like life today. I mean, like, there was the Army Hammer documentary that just came yes. out, and he's a super rich person who's accused of cannibalism. Yes. So it's like this thought that super rich people today mm-hmm. have access to human sacrifices, basically. Oh. Like, really just kind of brings this book into a different light where like yeah this is like starting to happen Mm -hmm. and it maybe that's how it started here too oh my gosh yeah 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 wow well hannah do you have any recommendations gosh no (laughs) what No, not a single thing um i could I could maybe throw out a title of a book that I haven't read, but mm-hmm. i I have absolutely nothing that I could say if you liked this book that you would like i I have no frame of reference to give a recommendation for this. There hasn't been another book that scared you at all um you no, know, not my go to <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Um, well, this is the surprise. <gasps> I actually have a recommendation. Yeah, And I researched it and everything. Yes! This movie, it's a movie. Okay. And it's called Soylent Green. And it's from 1973. Okay. So this movie takes place in 2022, though. Oh. So kind of ooky. And... They're facing overpopulation, climate change, where basically, like all food, even fruits and vegetables are now scarce, mm. and there's too many people to feed. So they're they've gone to eating this product called Soylent Green, and it's basically like biscuits made out of soy. And they actually kind of talk about it in this book. I was gonna say but they it use sounds... a different movie name. I was gonna say it sounded familiar and I almost wonder if either in the book or I know I read a couple of reviews after I wonder if one of the reviews I read also mentioned the movie yeah so in this book the movie is called destiny is catching up to Mm. us in the book's timeline you can only watch it on the dark web because it's so (laughs) right um timely I guess um but in that movie, and it's been out since 1973, so I don't feel bad spoiling it. Um, in the end, they find out that the soy is not soy; it's human meat. So everyone's been consuming hoi- human meat um, without their knowledge, and so it's a huge conspiracy. And I was like, I can kind of see that happening, like happening as a start to this book, mm-hmm. where they try and pass it off as like, "Hey, you're eating." beyond meat you're eating right soy meat and then it ends up being humans and then they're like well everyone knows let's just make it real yeah <laughs> like you know so they even have a line in the movie that says next thing you know they'll be breeding us like cattle oh, gosh yeah um but it's a really good movie i'm sure you would recognize some of the actors i like kind of recognize them but i don't Okay. I don't know who they are. But, um, so that is my recommendation. Also, like, you should watch the Army Hammer documentary on Discovery or ID. Mm. It's really good. But, you know, I mean, it talks about him being super controlling and, you know, this possibility of cannibalism. Like, it's very kind of, it kind of mirrors the book in a strange way. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah so yeah that's all the recommendations i have two good ones whoop, 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 whoop. nice yeah i feel like every episode we need to watch we need to recommend a movie from like the 70s <laughs> or 50s or something. like i feel like we just do it oh my gosh <laughs> it does happen a lot yeah hannah what are we reading next all right Next time, next month, we are going to be reading The Gurkha and the Lord of Tuesday by Saad Z. Hossein. Uh, it's a fantasy sci-fi novella about this Jin king who wakes up after a millennia of imprisoned slumber and is ready to conquer. And maybe that doesn't go the way that he thought it would. That's all I know. Yeah. I- <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like it. You know, I don't like reading summaries. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening to Treat Your Shelf this month. And don't forget to join us next month and check us out on all the social medias. And please leave a review as always. (laughs) And don't forget to treat your shelf.